Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I'm Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. So I feel like I have asked you this before. And if so, you'll have to forgive me, listeners, and Samantha. Um, But what are your thoughts on immortality? I don't think you've asked me this before, because that is a very (laughs) broad and general question. (laughs) Who knows? We've had a lot of conversations. (laughs) Yes, we have. Off and on, Mike. Mm -hmm. When it comes to immortality, Mm -hmm. I have no thoughts other than it's not real, so why are we talking about it? My <laughs> own sad... How dare you? <laughs> my, my own sad take on death and immortality is that I assumed I would have been dead before... I would be dead before 55. And mm-hmm. I think it's just because of all the things that I've gone through as a kid that it didn't make sense, but I would extend past a certain time. Mm-hmm. I do have a small fear of growing old. Actually, I have a lot of fears in growing older. And as my body feels like it's slowly giving out, it's getting worse, those little Mm -hmm. fears, and trying to figure out what to do just because I don't want to go to, like, revert back to being dependent on someone. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you and I talked about the fact that if we don't have children, who's going to look after us? Who's going to care for us? And what's going to happen if we can't care for ourselves? Mm -hmm. So those are my thoughts on life and death and immortality. I don't want to live forever because that sounds miserable. Mm, mm-hmm. Especially with some of the things that have happened. Being a depressive makes me sad to think that I would have to be depressed for the rest of my <laughs> life seeing some of the bad things that have happened. Mm. I am a pessimist, so it doesn't uh, help. True, true. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I've always felt that way too of like, immortality doesn't appeal to me unless people around me that I cared about were. And also that I was in good, like mental and physical condition. Um, even then, it just sounds like eventually you'd get pretty bored, but I don't know. I mean, I was telling you the other day, it's like this Star Wars is going to be coming out when I die. It'll never stop. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. That is a fear for you. Also, the, as of late, like the more we talk about the apocalypse and thinking mm. it might happen sooner than later, Oh, Lord, I don't know if I want to be alive through that. That's, mm. yeah, yeah. Now we're starting out really grim with this one. Yeah. Um. <laughs> sure are. Sure are. We're certainly not the only people who have been talking about this and thinking about this and as our technology shifts, because this has been a part of our cultural narrative forever. Like when we talk about any type of creature like vampires. And that's always like one of the reasons I love what we do in the shadows is you get to see how um, wonky they are and out of touch they are with their immortality. But as as technology has advanced, people are legitimately talking about ways to slow down or stop aging and or achieve immortality. And I know Jeff Bezos was just in the news for investing in something looking into this. Um, and there, there's been a lot of movies about it, for sure. And for anybody who's already, like, preemptively angry that of the language I used around that about, like, stopping aging, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> but um, as we are, are moving into, you listeners know, we love some Halloween. We love the, the season of fall and scary movies and spooky things. And as we're moving into that, this is sort of a lower key tie-in because it's just this concept we've been talking about 
for a couple of months now about dying to be young and our cultural, just real fascination and occupation with being young. And where did that come from and some of the extremes that it has gone to? So to start out with, we're going to be talking about media because as we've talked about before, in in our popular media and movies and TV, as a woman, it's a joke. It's a running joke that you're dead after 30. Like that's, your career is over. Um, and the average age of a Hollywood star who's female um, is 34, whereas for a man, it is 46. So you can already see that's 10-year gap. It's um, a vast difference. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So as in fact, an IMDb study reported on by Washington Post found that among 20-year-old actors, women get 80% of the leading roles. By age 30, women only get 40% of the leading roles. And past age 40, men claim 80% of the leading roles, while women only get 20%. And half of all these roles for women go to those 33 and younger. And men overall just have way more roles available to them. And we've seen that constantly. Yeah. I think I've told this story before, but I remember so clearly watching, I think I was too young to be watching it, but I was watching Entrapment and I turned to my friend and I was like, why does she want to be with Sean Connery? (laughs) (laughs) It's like way older. (laughs) But that being said, I know that uh, people can have age gaps in relationships and it'd be great. But as a child, it just did not, I was like, I don't understand this. (laughs) And I think what we're talking about here is not just that fact, but that it is more acceptable to see very young women with older men. And people are like, cool. Yeah, absolutely normal. Um, To the point that it reflects real life, Leonardo DiCaprio. And everybody Mm -hmm. kind of just accepts it. Yeah, there's a factor of like, uh, what? After a while? Yeah. But in in actuality, it's like, yeah, okay. Obviously, this one is more acceptable than a woman doing that. Right. Because she is. Hmm. Right. And we've talked about that a lot before, about that double standard of, for men, it's seen as like, oh, props to you. You've got a young lady interested in you, a young lady. Whereas for women, it's like she's preying upon this young man and it must be for nefarious reasons. Right. Yeah. Those are generalizations and stereotypes, but it's definitely more acceptable for an older man to be with a younger woman than vice versa. And so this whole like all these ideas around women and age in Hollywood has been a topic of conversation, especially among female celebrities who have spoken out about this. Um, Maggie Smith, Charlize Theron, Sarah Jessica Parker, Helen Mirren, Meryl Streep, Kate Blanchett, so many mostly white women in this context, but a lot of it is happening like now, (laughs) within recent years. It's pretty new in terms of how many women have spoken up about it. And I did want to give some brief like examples that were just top of mind for me because this is an idea that we see so often. And one is um, from Black Swan, which I watched recently, where Winona Ryder is this ballet dancer who's been like head of the, the ballet. She's made a lot of money for this troupe, this huge New York troupe. But then all the other ballet dancers are kind of talking about her behind her back and saying like, oh, she's dead. Like she's a dancing corpse. Like she's so old. And then Winona Ryder's character obviously being upset about this and furious that she's given so much of herself to this company. And then they just kind of unceremoniously throw her away when she gets older. 
and replace her with Natalie Portman. And even in terms of like the romance kind of dynamic between the male leader of the ballet troupe and Winona Ryder and then Natalie Portman. But that always stuck with me. And, and Natalie Portman's character has that scene where she's like, oh, poor Beth. Um, like obviously feeling sympathy and like seeing that happen with her mom when she got pregnant and feeling like I one day I will be thrown away too. But uh, yeah, that just always stuck with me because it's like, like I said, it is a running joke. We all know this joke and this idea. And there are certain aspects that I get like, it's weird because I understand that, you know, younger people in general can do more athletic things. (laughs) I don't know. But still, like, that's really terrible to just be like, well, you're done and you'll never work again. (laughs) So another example, uh, I've never actually seen Black Swan. I need to go back to it. But another example would be, of course, our one of our episodes, uh, First Wives Club. I mean, that is the ultimate story of being replaced by younger women, as, as each one of the characters show, whether it's Sarah Jessica Parker's character, uh, who is in competition with Bette Midler, or even the therapist with Diane Keaton's character, you know, who gets, gets ran over. And then you've got the Goldie Hawn character, which she's replaced by the 16-year-old actress. Mm-hmm. Because she, I think she's in her 30s. Yeah. In, in this I'm pretty sure so, she's, she comments directly on what we're talking about. Right. <laughs> and talking about being replaced and to the point that she plays the hag mother who dies, right. essentially, mm-hmm. in an upcoming movie. And her thinking she's coming in for the younger character and being like, whoops, just kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she retires out of film to go onto Broadway because it's more uh, acceptable for mature women to be a part of essentially. <laughs> yeah, there are so many things in that storyline on it all together, just talking about how women are set to pasture at a certain age as if they are no longer of any purpose. And we think about that with like menopause again, like uh, whether or not we're able to breed, essentially, Mm -hmm. to put it very bluntly, and or what our value is. And when it comes to Hollywood, I'm sure, and and we have seen it being even harsher narratives, but, you know, in everyday life, people talk about that too, whether it's the cliche of being left for a younger woman and or having to compete with younger women for a career or any of those statuses. You know, it's interesting to see, but this movie was definitely one of those like, hey, in your face, this is what's happening. Right. (laughs) Commentary. Right. Yeah, and we're going to, we're going to break in break down some of that um, a bit more later about kind of this pressure to be invisible as you get older as a woman. And then I was thinking about this Amazon movie called Neon Demon, which I don't know if you've seen that. I have not. Okay, well, it was a very strange film. But it it kind (laughs) of... (laughs) That's why every time I think of it, I feel like it's some fever dream that I had. But it's about like models in Hollywood and... Is it Elle Fanning or Ellie Fanning? Elle Fanning. I don't know. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. She comes in to a young uh, model into this world. And there's a lot of... This movie is very up and down and bumpy. (laughs) But there was interesting commentary on like the power of beauty and youth for women. And she says something about like, you know, what the power she feels when she walks into a room and everyone is looking at her and feeling jealous of her. Of course, these other models that have been in the game longer than her don't like that. So... They end up, spoilers, I guess. How old is this movie? It's pretty old. Um, they end up killing her and eating pieces of her body to try to get her youth, including an eyeball. It was real gruesome. Um, <laughs> well, okay then. 
But yeah, that was just, I did not expect that turn for one. But it, yeah, it was another kind of example of this, this pressure to, to feel young and kind of that diminishing value of mm. like they were willing to murder this person to feel like they were young and had in their minds more power. And then on top of that, songs. We've been right. <laughs> singing these songs. And I will say, so for the first song you picked out, because as you or and I were talking about this episode, I told you in my head, I can't stop singing Forever Young. Yes. But also that might, makes me go back to a 30 Rock episode in which it's Jenna is being, she has that same incidence of going to a show thinking she's about to be uh, cast as a teenager. When oh, actually yep. she's cast as a dying mother once again. And she actually mm-hmm. says in the line, I have to die now. I'm 36. <laughs> like that's, like oh, no. she's essentially saying that, but mm-hmm. because she's so in such shock and so sad about it that she's taping up her face, singing "Forever Young" in front of the mirror, oh, trying to make gosh. herself look younger because she was in that crisis. But that uh-huh. is where both of those things come into mind. Yes, "Forever Young" has been stuck in my head too. But you know, <laughs> I could. I always thought of that as being like in your heart, "Forever Young." But what do I know? Um, <laughs> and then for me, are you old enough? which is a very creepy song, which is about this guy basically saying like, are you old enough to have sex with? Right. But that was recently featured in Wellington Paranormal and it has been stuck <laughs> in my head. But there's, I mean, there's so many songs about that. And right. we're going to also, yes, yes. And kind of like, a lot of times it is dudes like trying to get young girls. And, and there are plenty of songs about, you know, that romanticize youth. And we're going to, look into that as well. But yeah, that it's very present in a lot of our um, media. I was also thinking about books like The Portrait of Dorian Gray, which isn't women, but kind of again shows this like real historical preoccupation we've had with youth. Or uh, the old hag feeding on the young maiden trope, which is in Snow White and pretty much every fairy tale right. that features an older woman and a younger woman. Yep. <laughs> Trying yep. to take that youth. Yes, which is... Another way women have been pitted against each other in our media. Um, But also, if you move out of that, like, it's a compliment to say you look so much younger. And it's one of those kind of problematic compliments where what are you really saying and what are we holding up with a compliment like that? Um, There's this whole idea of, like, trying to get away with it or looking, you know, younger. And I was thinking about this, too, in terms of, I haven't been shopping at a mall in a very long time. But, I mean, certainly within the past couple of years, I always, I still go to the junior section. And it's because I feel like the clothes there are cuter. And if you go into, like, the women's section, it's all, like, business clothes. Right. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I've now jumped away from the junior's clothing because their size no longer makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is true. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm going to go over here. I think that's why I stay away from things like the mall where you have departments who are very like ageist in that they separate it like that. You have places like Target where they do have the junior sections. I've seen it. But the women's section and the junior section are similar enough that it's like, okay, there's not really different variations to this. I'm good with it. Right. Um, and typically, it's just all like, hey, here's this one sweater. And I was like, ponchos, season of the ponchos. <laughs> so I'm definitely leaning into, right. quote unquote, my age 
uh, clothing in that I'm just rather, but I've always dressed like this. There's nothing in my wardrobes, I, even being younger, that really mm-hmm. said, this is a junior's outfit. Like I'd never really wore like jeans that had uh, holes in it. I didn't mm-hmm. have one. I accidentally tripped and fell and I was just, <laughs> you know, like and ripped right, it. Right, but that's right, why. Right. Sure. But like, it was never my thing because I was mm-hmm. always so self-conscious that I wanted to mute it down as much as right. possible. So just as plain as plain can be is my mm-hmm. my go-to. And I still am that way to this day. Mm-hmm. And again, I love cardigans and ponchos. And I feel like that's definitely like older leaning. And I'm like, I'm cool with that. I will forever wear that. This is my, <laughs> this is who I am. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do think there's, I don't want to make it sound like there aren't cute clothes for women who are not juniors, like older. Right. There are, but I feel like in a traditional no, yeah. mall department store yeah. setting, it's like, oh, these are, it's again, like the breakdown of the Madonna and the whore almost, where it's like, oh, it junior is. section, cuter, cuter things, maybe some cleavage going on. And then like business suits. <laughs> like, yeah. Or, yeah. You have the dresses that has no body shape and it's somehow doubled yeah. up to something else. And you're like, what's, what is this? Right. <laughs> uh, because yeah, even in shoes, they do that. Like this is obviously for younger kids. You right. get to stick with this, you know, mm-hmm. not this. And it's kind of like, these are shoes. I don't. Right. Yeah. And that's something I, I I know a lot of my friends and I have joked about because I'm really young at heart, as they say. And I feel like I'm, I get judged for liking childish things. And a lot of times I'll end up in like the boys section because they have like superhero <laughs> shirts or Star Wars shirts. And that's what I like. Um, but then there's this whole idea of like age-appropriate clothing, which we could break down in more seriously. But in terms of what we're talking about now, it's like you reach an age and that's just, you have to wear, yeah, a, a formless <laughs> right. blanket almost. But you know what though? <laughs> Give me my moo-moo. I've got my Star Wars poncho. <laughs> you know I love a good poncho. I do too. I'm not. There's nothing wrong with it, but I think we need more options and we need to investigate Absolutely. why this is. No, when it comes to... Also, it's kind of the expense and who gets what yeah, oh, and what oh, is absolutely. seen as uh, stylish. And we also know that we see that as in sizes too. Like when we talk about celebrities trying to find really nice mm-hmm. fancy things and being told we're not going to give you this, we're not going to sponsor you this, we don't want you to wear this mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, and we see that ageism is a complete thing where we saw Millie Bobby Brown got like ripped apart because they were like, you wearing clothes that's too old for you. And it's kind of like, I don't understand. She's wearing a cute suit outfit. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's 16, but she's pulling it off and she's tr- coming to a fancy event. Mm-hmm. What's, the, what's the problem? And her right. being ripped for that. It's not like it was sexy. And even at that, I'm like, we need to talk about that standard, right. dress code standard outside of this anyway. But mm-hmm. all of that to say is, why can't she? And then having older women who are wearing a little bit tighter clothes and yep. showing a few more things and be like, that's that's too sexy. You're a mom. And you're like, what right. the hell does that mean? Yeah. It's just another instance of policing women's bodies right. and what they wear. And like, we'll take we being society at large, not me personally, but any opportunity to tear a woman down right, um, and make her feel bad about her body. <laughs> but yeah, like going back to the, you know, that whole quote of like looking good for your age, which is I, I think also problematic in terms of behind your back, they might be saying she's too old for that or whatever. You know, never ask a woman her age, which really implies that it's shameful and embarrassing to get older. 
And then, yeah, I was just kind of, as you were talking, I was kind of thinking about how clothing cycles. So like what what people might have been wearing in the 80s is now popular, 90s among younger people. And so it's kind of like silly that we'll police people for this. But when, when the cycle comes back, now it's cool when young people are into it. Right. I really wish I'd kept some of my clothes because it has, I'm like, I had that outfit. Like I picked out mm-hmm. specific things. Like, I wore that in mm-hmm. junior high school, in middle school. Yes. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. And I think one of the big things too, as you were talking about, you know, being complimented. I I tell my age, obviously I'm very fake forward. Everyone knows my age. Uh, I'm turning 41 soon. And it's kind of like, oh God, I'm turning 40, 41. 40 is a huge number. And then comparing myself, and this is really bad on me and my own perspective, as well as my own biases. It's like, do I look like that 41 year old? Because I don't, I don't want to look like that. Like there, mm-hmm. there's levels of like, I need to look younger and I want to tell people my age so they better have the right reaction. Like in my <laughs> head, it right. better be shock or disbelief. Because uh-huh. as of late, it has the other to that. They're like, oh, okay. I'm like, son of a... And I just kind of walk away. But there is uh-huh. that level as I'm getting older, be like, but I don't look like that 41-year-old. Because right. I right. still have the image of my mother being 40-something when I was mm-hmm. so young. And now I'm like, yeah. Do I look like my mother? Obviously, I don't because she's very white and I'm not. Uh, there's very big differences. But the aging level of like, wow, mm-hmm. it's weird. Yeah. And I think that kind of... Fit, it is. I, th- I think that line of thinking is really... It is encouraged by our media. Because I feel like I see magazine headlines like that all the time. Like, how did she accomplish this look? She looks so young. And right. I know like you know, list 30 under 30. When I was researching this, this came up a lot of like, that's also kind of a troublesome line of thinking. Um, But we do see it. We see it. And usually it's trying to sell something where it's like, how did she do it? With this retinol cream, of course. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yes. It's a whole thing. And you know, going back to, it is a whole conversation about how we look at youth and how we treasure that mm-hmm. and long for it sometimes. I don't want, mm-hmm. I wish there's a part of me where I'm like, man, I do wish that I was able to enjoy my youth in that mm-hmm. I have so much more confidence yeah. now than I did, yeah. of course, 10, 15, even five years ago, honestly, not really, like 10, 15 years ago and really mm-hmm. wishing that I could have gone back to be like, hey, right, it's okay. Enjoy being you instead of constantly being so self-conscious yeah. That you can't, you feel awkward in any situation. And that's not a way to enjoy life. Mm-hmm. That's the only part in that. Um, but yeah, in the West, the aging is often seen as something shameful and to be hidden away and fought against instead of being respected, which I'm like, oh, let's get back to that. Right. <laughs> Although to be fair, some of the boomers have not shown that level of... Right, I think... Which we could talk about that later, but like yeah. in general, respecting age versus uh, being dismissed. Or, yeah, experience yeah. being invisible because we're no longer relevant. And I mm-hmm. say we. Our elderly are often invisible to us. And yeah, in the US specifically, in this culture, it's kind of gross. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. we don't respect. Of course, respect is earned. Yes. Going back to that. Totally agree. Uh, but there's just that level of like, huh, where have yeah, we lost that? Yeah. Bit of like, we want to age. That means we've come through life okay-ish. We've survived it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, we've long discussed the link between traditional beauty for women 
and power. And that's a whole big conversation. Looking young, especially when it comes to women, is a big business. Uh, So many products promising to do away with any signs of age. You can get rid of your wrinkles, erase gray hairs, get thinner and look younger. Get dimples that will make you look young too. Like almost everything when we did our episode of Ridiculous History where we were talking about beauty trends, um, kind of ridiculous beauty trends or dangerous beauty trends of history, almost all of them were about looking younger. Right. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. We're looking wider, both of those things. Yes. And some numbers for you, because you know we love some numbers up in here. Mm-hmm. As of 2011, Americans spent about $10.4 billion on cosmetic surgery. The anti-aging industry is believed to be worth $140 billion. And then a 2018 study found that over 50% of women aged 18 to 24 surveyed agreed that an anti-wrinkle treatment was essential to their beauty regimen. I'm like, I don't think I have any of those. I'm trying to think about it. Mine was all about acne. Mm. Mm-hmm. Cause I still get them. I got one big pimple yeah, right here. I got Annie. one on my chin. I'm like, I'm like <laughs> I'm supposed to be 40. This is not supposed to be an issue anymore. It's okay. Myth. And this was up from 20% who said the same thing in 2012. Uh, and searches for retinol, a believed anti-aging ingredient, doubled in 2020. Not gonna lie, kind of use that for my under eyes because I was like, whoa, I look tired. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely tried products for my under eyes. Mine are very dark and baggy and that is because I don't sleep very well, among other things. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, just disclaimer, we're not really coming out against any of these things per se, but more against the societal pressure that makes people, and in this context, mostly women, feel like they have to do these things, that it has to do with their worth. And I think there's a lot of fear around it. Like every day, your skin is getting worse. I saw this I think it must have been in 2001 or 2002 interview with, oh, what's her name? Naomi Watts. And she was saying, you know, my skin, the way I keep it this way is I put on sunscreen every day. And ever since then, I put on sunscreen almost every day (laughs) on my face. Um, But that was like the power of it. Because I was like, what if, if if I mess it up now, it'll be too late later. Right. And yeah, this does start at a young age because I must have been like, I don't know, 14, 13 or 14 when I saw that interview. And I remember when I was in high school, this really traditionally pretty uh, girl who's like a year older than me, um, she was talking about her anti-wrinkle regimen that she was doing. And I was, I looked at her like, oh my gosh, am I supposed to be doing that already? And a lot of anti-wrinkle commercials do use young women that definitely don't have wrinkles anywhere. If they do, they're airbrushed out or like not that many. <laughs> right. And I find this interesting. I think the other big problem is not we're not saying that these things are awful or that, you know, Mm-mm. this is the devil or anything. What we're saying is we see this as a marketing racket that is completely aimed at women. And if this is truly for their benefit, women's benefit, why the hell is this so damn expensive? Like, that's <laughs> the other part. I'm like, what is happening? And then the links and the way we're ruining the environment to get to some of those things, also yeah. really, really problematic. Yep. Um, and it's all about that capitalism. Yep. 
And we yeah. know this. And I think that's part of the problem is it's not so bad to want to try things that are good for yeah. your skin or what you know, want to do things preventatively, or whatever, and being self-conscious and making you feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. But doing it at what cost is the conversation right. as well as who is benefiting it and why aren't we looking closer at right. that. Right. right. And of course, we make fun of older women who do it too, that they're pathetic and not fooling anyone, uh, despite the fact that we live in a society that penalizes age and are further penalizing women for trying to fit into that society that was created to go against right. them essentially. So trying to fit into that narrative, trying to make it a situation or having, you know, uh, the audacity to change something that they don't really find uplifting for themselves. That's Mm -hmm. a whole other conversation too. Why can't we let it be? Yeah. And I think this has been a big, it's been something people have been discussing a lot around um, women and cosmetic surgery. And, And all of this stuff we're talking about, we could unpack further in other episodes, but how, like we were saying, the joke is you're dead at 30, like the median age is 33 or whatever. And then yet we make fun of actresses who get cosmetic surgery to look younger when that's their career and their job. And that right. is a problem. It's a problem that that's true. But I think it's very telling that we are making fun of people who are trying to not lose their job, essentially, in a really right. sexist, patriarchal, ageist system. Right. And also just knowing that for a lot, and we could talk about the Korean beauty standards, which is just, mm-hmm. which is a whole different conversation in itself, that it happens, starts at a very young age yeah. and being molded essentially into mm-hmm. what is thought of as the perfect body, mm-hmm. the perfect face, the perfect skin tone, like all of these things. It's such an, oh. Yeah overwhelming sense of like, what what are we supposed to be doing? And for those who aren't within that narrative, within that frame of thinking and or seeing, looking, mm-hmm. what happens to those people? Completely dismissed and not seen. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Like we said, it starts at such a young age and you really get inundated with it and internalized it. And I know there's been studies that found by like the age of four for young girls, they're like, wrinkles are bad. Um, <laughs> age is bad. Um, and a lot of other troubling beauty standards as well. Just so young, we pick up on it. And like going back to your point, when it comes to this whole conversation of, yeah, we want women to do what they want to look, to feel good about themselves or something they might just enjoy. It's like when we talked about in um, taking self-care, and you know, spa days, that might really be your thing. But there is a financial and time cost And also this whole, what we're really talking about is the demonizing of age and particularly for women. And also, yeah, it's just that pressure, the pressure to do it. Like if you want to do it, you know, good for you. But it's, I think a lot of us feel like we have to do it. And there is this kind of like a fear-based decision of, oh no, my value is going down. I need to save up money and go get this and go do this and just feeling bad about yourself, which I hate. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and then when we look at sexual assault and grooming, there are so many instances, like we were talking about earlier, of older famous men grooming younger, often underage young women. Um, and there are even pieces of media in all kinds of media directly about that whole thing. Several recent studies have looked into why growing numbers of young women are seeking cosmetic surgeries with one of the dominant theories being it has to do with social media filters. So basically, you want to look 
as airbrushed as your social media filter looks. You want to match that. Um, but also, obviously, the constant bombardment of messaging in our media. Again, we could unpack all of this stuff <laughs> so right. much. And yeah, it's definitely grown. Uh, maybe also accessibility has grown. That, yeah. that needs to be part of that conversation too. Uh, but it's always been there. We're, if you think about the women who literally went through plastic surgery to look like Barbie, and that yep. was before social media. She was already mm-hmm. famous because that was her whole stint. And then mm-hmm. there have been several more that followed suit and they're big influencers. And that's kind of that other conversation. It's the level of what we look at as who are influencers. And it's typically everything about looks. Mm-hmm. So it seems to me, especially when it comes to women mm-hmm. or uh, non-binary, and it's one thing to love makeup and do makeup. That's gorgeous. I really wish people could teach me how to do do it well because mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people that do it well. My niece is really good at it. She's actually a makeup artist. I'm like, go ahead, do your thing. That's I don't awesome. know what this means. <laughs> Right? Uh-huh. I'm like, maybe I need your help. But there's something different in that that's the influence and trying to get that perfect standard. And yeah, yeah. some of these, what's, and we need to come back to, Annie, is the fact that a lot of these filters are not made for women of color. Um, the yeah. many times that I put it on my face and it did nothing, I was like, what is this? And the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is, because it's not for women of color and mm-hmm. it doesn't do <laughs> shit for them. Which is probably mm-hmm. a good thing, honestly. I don't, I don't know. It looks, yeah. I don't know. There's many times when I did the filter, I was like, why? Why? <laughs> so it's right. probably a good thing. But there many times mm-hmm. where there was nothing, I was like, oh, I'm too brown for this. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yep. yep. We'll come back to that. Uh, so data from OkCupid suggests, not surprisingly, that men seek out slightly younger women when they marry the first time women slightly older, but if men remarry, they seek out women half their age. The rating theory for why is this is how men and women have been socialized historically. With women more concerned about social status, men more concerned with indicators of fertility. I wonder though, I have to go back because we've talked about this a little bit. Every time I've ever been on a site, most of the men, if they had an age preference, if, would always do their own age as the cap and younger. Mm -hmm. So if a man was 35, it would be 35 to 24. Like I've seen that. And there'd be several men who would do not even to that. As as they were getting older, the age would stay the same. So they might be 38, but their cap for women are 24 to 35. And I'm kind of like, you're a 38-year-old man. You want to date a 24-year-old? What is is happening? So I did find that a lot. Like, yeah. it was, if, it, if it was specific, it was much younger, typically. And I found that right. very interesting. So I find this, like, I feel like that's underwhelming of a report. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, it was only a couple of thousand of people. And also, yeah, I mean, it's hard to... I would imagine the data pool is probably pretty significant, but not too significant when it comes to remarrying and um, and things like that. But it, it was just interesting because he, uh, the founder, wanted to look more into this. And that's sort of the general pattern that he saw. But yeah, be interested to find out more.
In 2019, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration had to release a statement advising against older people injecting themselves with the plasma of younger people, the so-called vampire treatment. Soon after the FDA's statement, California startup Ambrosia Health began offering one liter of, quote, youth blood for $8,000 and two liters for $12,000. And several companies have popped up around blood and youth and this idea of like, it's not always framed as it will make you younger, but it's supposed to like revitalize your body inside. And yeah, we talked about the uh, vampire facial as well. Right. Yeah. Couldn't that just <laughs> yes. be? I feel like if you got like just blood, that's going to start a lot of flowing in your system. And typically not necessarily because you're healthier, but because of like the flow, the blood flow, which right. we know does have a little to do with like whether or not you are pale, or, you know, all of that. Mm-hmm. I feel like that whole narrative is misleading. But Annie, oh, yeah. do you want to go in? We'll buy two, two for one, two for the cheaper <laughs> price. <laughs> Oh, no. Then some weird, like, blood bond will form between us. No, look at two bags. It's cheaper to get two, obviously. Look at it. There we go. There we go. I have actually written a horror story about this very thing. When it happened, I remember this news story, and I was like, oh, I knew it. It's happening. Speaking of horror stories, um, QAnon has gotten Mm -hmm. in on this, too. Um, Some followers of QAnon believe that members of the Hollywood elite take a psychedelic drug manufactured from the fear of children called adrenochrome. And they also think that Monsters, Inc., the Pixar film, is essentially a Freudian slip, that that's what, like, kind of happens. And Hollywood accidentally told on themselves. Um, So the story (laughs) goes that this chemical is extracted from the pituitary gland of tortured children. From what I can tell, the actual adrenochrome is fairly easily obtained chemical. I don't know that it's, like, legal, but it's not too hard to get. Not that it's, like, it doesn't matter. They're not going to listen to me, but... um, Obviously. Well, I know they went as far as to saying that, yeah, pedophiles that eat children and that had something to do with that as well, like Mm -hmm. keeping youth as well Mm -hmm. because it's a satanic ritual. Right, (laughs) right. Oh, Oh, QAnon. You are are something else. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so there has been some pushback against these narratives recently. In 2017, Helen Mirren appeared on the cover of Allure magazine where she was called the hero we need. And when it comes to ending the anti-aging industry. That same article got a lot of flack for its promise to use different terms of things like anti-aging, anti-wrinkle, drawing criticism that it was just repackaging the same stereotypes. Yeah, it was this whole thing. It's kind of hard where you're like, and I think this is where we have a hard time with feminism as well, women, not because we don't think it exists and we know it's necessary, but the fact that we have to highlight it in such a way that it becomes uh, atypical and yeah. it shouldn't be. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be like, this should just let it be. We, the opposite should be happening where we don't have to worry about aging instead mm-hmm. of highlighting, look, she looks so young and forever right. young because she's successful now. It's like, we should change that and make that a norm instead of trying to highlight it being unusual. Can mm-hmm. we do that? Same thing with <laughs> feminist stuff. Like, we shouldn't be highlighting someone because they're doing well as a woman. But we right. have to in order for any recognition or any equity to be had. Mm-hmm. And it's irritating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but whatever the case, uh, people are finally getting tired of all of this. Yay, mm-hmm. us included. Uh, 2012 worldwide study found that 63% of respondents believe that our cultural preoccupation with youth have gone too far. And yeah, I think we've started to understand that as 
all of the regimens and the <laughs> surgeries and the money that we could spend and the lies that are happening and the influencers that keep spouting miracle <laughs> drugs. Yeah. Yeah. And there are a lot of reasons behind our cultural preoccupation with youth, some of which we've already talked about, and particularly in this context in the West. One is, yep, money, capitalism. Young people are believed to be not always accurately, actually, the people who spend more time on screens and thus are exposed to more ads. Because of that, ads often are more geared towards younger people and feature younger people, which in turn leads to this idea that youth is the norm and what we should all strive for. We should all want to be these beautiful young people we're seeing in ads because they're cool and there's something to aspire to. Again, generalizations, because most ads I see these days are just cringy. But, um, <laughs> you know, that was the idea. Um, they represent people who are connected and living life to the fullest. People aged 18 to 30 have long been believed to have the most disposable income. But again, a 2012 study found that people over 50 accounted for over 47% of household spending. And that's been an interesting conversation to play out as well. Of just like how... These kids are just coming out of college. How do they have disposable income? I, I think it's just a really false... It kind of goes back to this conversation where we're, there's all this hand-wringing over like, millennials aren't buying houses and owning cars anymore. And we're like, yeah, because we are not the same generation and we don't have... We can't get jobs. We can't get like well-paying right. jobs. Like it's different. But I think they're basing it off of how it was. And it's a mistake. And it's not the same anymore. Interesting. Like, I'm baffled because I'm like, I didn't get a living wage, truly yeah. living wage until yep. I had three jobs. And that was just four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's really misinformed. I think it's based off of how it was with like boomers who had disposable income. Right. But it's That's not true. concept. <laughs> yeah. So another reason our narratives around age, especially for women as something humiliating and shameful, something to fight against. Let's, yeah, we need to, we need to fight yeah. for that. <laughs> we need to fight to change it. Well, that's just how when you think of, because companies and capitalism is so good at doing this and adapting, right? So we're like, oh, we don't like anti-aging. Quit saying that in your ads. And they're like, okay. And so now they're using all these words like combat or defy or implying that you're fighting against this thing, which thereby implies that it is bad. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yep. Another factor is this long-held belief that youth is linked to fertility and health of women, and thus a young person, particularly a woman, is a more desirable partner. And we've talked about that a lot. This very unfortunate, unfortunate pressure for young women, like our sexual desirability, particularly when it comes to the male gaze, is also the value. And youth is usually, almost always, tied into that. A study of dating sites conducted by sociologists at the University of Michigan found that a woman's desirability to other website users began to decline after age 18, whereas a man's desirability as a potential date could peak as late as 45, which is just upsetting. That's awful. 18? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, this makes me want to like flip the table over. What? Yeah. <laughs> 18? The hell? Yeah. So mm -hmm. a 2011 study found that men reported feeling old at 58 for women. Oh, yeah. 29. Yeah. I always talk about, I, I make a joke about feeling older. It's typically because my friend groups, I'm the older one mm -hmm. of the friend group. So I always tease about the fact that I'm 
old. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I started feeling really old until recently when my hips started hurting, which I was running and my hips started hurting around 35. And I was like, oh God, what's happening? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my back went out and I was like, yep, there it is. Yeah. I think it's an interesting juxtaposition with conversations that you and I have had. Whereas I don't necessarily feel old, but man, am I already preparing for what if I slip in the shower? <laughs> like I'm already <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> imagining these scenarios and what am I going to do? Um, which is, I mean, that is also a big part of what we're talking about too, right? The, we've talked about that a lot is this fear of ending up as the heaven forbid, the spinster who has no one who's going to care for her and she's going to die alone. Die alone. Um, so that's the threat, isn't it? Yep, it is. And we've talked about that recently. (laughs) And we're not going to go into too much history because we did talk about it and we have talked about it in several things. If you didn't listen to our Ridiculous History episode, you can hear us go into more examples of the history of women trying to usually capture beauty and youth through these very dangerous and painful looking things often. But yes, there are so many instances throughout history of people and especially women going to extreme measures to stay young, whether it's Cleopatra bathing in the milk of animals, Elizabeth Bathory allegedly bathing in the blood of virgins, medieval and Victorian practices of putting slices of meat or putting some wine on the face in hopes of minimizing the appearance of wrinkles. In the 19th and early 20th centuries, ads around skin creams were almost entirely targeted towards women with these messages that looking young was the only way that they could attract men. And here are some examples of an ad copy from this time. One claiming that, quote, middle-aged skin, which could set in as young as 22, meant that women had, quote, empty date books or a wife who, quote, loses love. (laughs) There was an ad that featured a beleaguered Cupid crying, I give up. Um, A 1926 ad read, Poor Lois, see how old she's growing. Or this ad that asked, Is it the greatest crisis of a woman's emotional life? The sudden, merciless message from a mirror's crystal depths? You are fading just a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez! That feels like a threat. How dare you? Yes. Don't threaten me. And this is also like, I mean, no surprise, but depending on the life you've had and career options you've had and environment you grew up in, your skin might just get a little rougher around the edges. <laughs> this is, you might genetics. not have access genetics. Like, there's all kinds of things not necessarily in your control or at all in your control. And this is just terrible. <laughs> Again, I feel that's a threat. Yeah. So, as these days have shifted gears to sound, yes, more modern, moving from shaming language to traditionally empowering language like defy or combat, as you had just said. And then there's also the health based jargon for youth like vitality, radiance, or that glow, which I was told recently that I was glowing. I was like, yeah, I'm just really oily. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Thanks um, for asking. And there's a lot of emphasis on natural and the scientific sounding terms, which if you haven't noticed, we don't have many of those ads that we voice because Annie's like, hell nah, and I definitely agree. Mm-hmm. And in 2007, Dove even debuted a pro-age line because we're pro-age. In 2018, Neutrogena ran an ad featuring Carrie Washington, Nicole Kidman, and Jennifer Garner, women all over 40, with a tagline, we're not anti-aging, we're anti-wrinkles. Yeah. I feel like that's yeah. the same thing, isn't it? Well, that's that's kind of this whole thing we've been talking about is we're these companies are so good at this. They're repackaging the same thing right. with different language, but it's still 
the same thing. With celebrity level of uh, examples, rather. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, these companies get fined for making unsubstantiated claims like boosting genes. If you'll notice, the language in these uh, the ad copy is usually quite vague. And I only did a precursor research on this, but I'm fairly certain nothing has, none of this has been proven to work. All it does, like a lot of times they'll say, might minimize the appearance of wrinkles or something like that. But yeah, you might want to keep an eye out for that. <laughs> We've also got things like, yes, the vampire facial leeches and placenta treatments that celebrities are singing the praises of. Like oh, some of the sounds when I was reading, it, I was like, surely this is the 1600s or something. Nope, it is modern day. So this has just been a through line through our history. And also like, it is fascinating kind of what's been happening with some of these women celebrities who have been releasing like that non-edited picture. Um, which is also, well, we've talked about that in a past episode, but it was a couple of years ago, so we might want to revisit it. That can be problematic as well. <laughs> it's tricky. It's, yeah, but it's interesting. Interesting. Right. Lots of stuff happening here. <laughs> well, all of this rebranding around anti-age was mostly due to the fact that anti-aging was already on the way out. Uh, from 2010 to 2015, profits in that sector fell from $2.2 billion to $1.9 billion. So yeah, I do hope it decreases. I really do. Yeah. I mean, again, if it's something that makes you feel good and you like it, like I have plenty of skin products that just make my skin feel nice. Right. And I, I love a good just washing of the face, to be honest. Right. <laughs> it's surprising how nice that can feel. But yeah, this like language and rhetoric around demonizing aging and women especially who are aging and any signs of it that's not healthy and that we need to change that we need to work to change right. that right and anything that's too gimmicky and over the top versus things that yeah again make you feel good about yourself that's great if that's something that you enjoy and feel good then wonderful but mm-hmm. to be obsessive and lose a lot of money and doing all these things that really causes you more harm that's that's a different question in itself. Yeah. And I think that that is definitely what we're talking about. And understanding like aging is not a bad thing. Surviving mm-hmm. is incredible. Good job. <laughs> you did it. Which is kind of how I celebrate. Like yeah. I get depressed around my birthday. Y'all, I've been talking a lot about depression lately. <laughs> uh, mainly because it has a whole other connotation with trauma. And that has something to do with the holidays, which happen around the season. And I have a whole lot of like feelings on that. But what I do celebrate and the reason I don't hide my age is because I'm like, yeah, I, I did it. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> think I could make it. I made it to 41. Woo! Right. Did it. <laughs> yes, and we're happy that you did. Many more <laughs> returns. Um, but that's another thing I was thinking about the other day is I just, it's not a great way to live if every day you're like, you think your value is getting less and less. <laughs> no, it's not a great way to go. Um, go about life. Whew. Anyway, we had a lot to say about this. Yes, we did. Well, listeners, as always, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at Stuff I've Never Told You. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Christina. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs> 